calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And if you hear ice jingling around... We're now an ASMR podcast. We're just gonna... (laughs) It's because it's fucking like 95 degrees in LA right now. It's ridiculous. Like, I left the house on Tuesday. Anthony took the day off work and we went to go get lunch. And it was like... We we parked really far away from where we were getting lunch and had to walk. And no, I was no. like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, yeah. like, sweating. It's so hot. We could go to the pool today. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. I know. And I, like, in my apartment, we have the AC on, but, like, not super high. And, like, we just moved. And it's, like, this energy saver. So it's, like, it never gets too cold where my old place I'd be, like, shivering. But it was, like, the perfect temperature in there. And I was, like, wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And, like, I put a sweater on. I'm, like, okay, gonna go to work. And I walk the dogs before I go to work. And I'm, like... What the fuck? Should have put shorts on. <laughs> yeah. Should have put shorts on. Yeah, I don't know what is going on because you know a couple weeks ago I was like, oh, it's feeling like fall. I know it's it like was brisk out. It feels it's good. Gonna, it's gonna get cooler again next week. Oh, but right now, okay, it's really I'm ready. Hot. I'm ready for it. I I check the weather app at least twice a day. I, I have need to. to know. I have to be in a sweater on set on Monday. I think you should be good. Okay, because I'm like I'm gonna die. I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> Okay, so let's dive in. Let's do it. I have something horrible, but it, it happened a while ago, and now it's kind of an update. Do you yeah. have anything else that you would like let's, to start with? Let's start with that. Okay, so there was this trans woman named Roxana Hernandez who um, wa- who passed away in ICE custody back in May. She was traveling from Mexico to the United States. She's from Honduras, and she went to Mexico because in Honduras they were killing trans people, and she was really scared. So she went to Mexico, and she was part of 25 transgender and gender nonconforming individuals who joined the Central American Migrant Caravan in April. And so she arrived at a port near San Diego on May 9th, and she was in custody for only two weeks waiting to be deported when she died. So literally, she got there, she was put into ICE custody, and within two weeks, she I also feel like died. two weeks in a detention center is a long time. Well, and the conditions she was in was horrible. She was in this tiny cell where there were no lights. Apparently, it was freezing. They called it the ice box or something like that. And they were not giving 
proper amounts of food. And it didn't outright say this, but they were talking about a lack of HIV medication. And so I'm assuming that she suffered from HIV. And so apparently you ICE detention centers are like legally obligated to give a 30-day supply of this medication. And they did not give that to her. Um, and they have all of this, like, they have to keep everything under, like, video surveillance, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. The deputy director at Transgender Law Center says, Paired with the abuse we know transgender people regularly suffer in ICE detention, the death of Miss Hernandez sends the message that transgender people are disposable and do not deserve dignity, safety, or even life. And, um... In an interview with BuzzFeed News just before she left from Mexico to the United States, she said, I didn't want to come to Mexico. I wanted to stay in Honduras, but I couldn't. They kill trans people in Honduras. I'm scared of that. So she passed away on May 25th. ICE reported no medical concerns. And now the uh, her attorneys that her parents have hired want this like video surveillance of her while she was in there to see yeah what did she pass away from that's the thing there's been autopsies that are going through and i didn't really i'm sure if i were to dig deeper i would know but i think it was like i mean i would assume if she's hiv positive maybe complications from that malnourishment i guess like you she was like tortured like you're put in this place where it's freezing cold tiny cell right. lights out 24 but hours but they need a day. to give they need to give answers as to exactly what happened here exactly. because someone that young doesn't just die yeah ex- ex- she's 33 years old like, yeah. she's not that old and she was in like all things considered, good health. Like, she was able to travel from Honduras to Mexico to the United States on this caravan. Like, she made it all that way to get to the United States and then to die. So ICE is required to share footage in this lawsuit filed by her family uh, to preserve evidence. Like, they are supposed, because of this lawsuit, they are legally obligated to preserve this evidence. And um, they are like, we don't have it. Sorry. Uh, The memory only lasts for 90 days and then it's gone. Okay, that so, that seems like a thing that shouldn't exist with a government uh, organization. I'm sorry, you're not like these aren't surveillance cameras in a Seven Eleven. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like this is a government run, like institution. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and her attorney Andrew Free was saying that the video would have provided evidence of her state of health and what condition she was in while in U.S. custody because, like, they're trying to figure out what the fuck happened to her. Can they not do an autopsy? They did do an autopsy. Oh, okay, and um. I'll look it up real quick to see what it said. Oh, here. The autopsy report said Hernandez had deep bruises on her body and signs of blunt force trauma. So that's not good. They say it's indicative of blows and or kicks and possible strikes with a blunt object. The autopsy does not make it clear how long ago Hernandez would have been beaten and kicked. It's not clear whether this happened to her while she was in ICE custody or when she was being held in private detention site. Um... The autopsy said that Hernandez died of dehydration and complications related to HIV as well. Um, and I got this so there's from a Heavy. Whole, there's a whole host of issues here. A right. whole host of issues that, it, regardless of whether or not they have the video footage, yeah. these people should be brought up on charges regardless. Yes. Because who was responsible for making sure she stayed hydrated? Yeah. Who was responsible for making sure she had her medication? And we don't know who inflicted those wounds or that kind of like bodily trauma that she had yeah but 
all of those people, then if, listen, if we can't pinpoint one person, then every single person yeah. who was there should be reprimanded. Exactly. Well, because I think that it's not about one person. I mean, the beatings possibly, yes. There, if, if she was beat while in custody by a specific person, of course, that person should be held accountable. But also, it, the entire institution, like, these these prisons that they put these people in, and especially being transgender, mm-hmm. she was treated horribly. Yes, absolutely a, a horribly. transgender person of color. We've talked about this, like, so many times on this podcast where the violence that is inflicted on transgender women of color in particular is insane yeah. and devastating. And it's just, it breaks my heart because these people are looking for asylum. They are looking for safety. They are looking to go to a place where they will not be killed in their home country. She's saying, I didn't want to leave Honduras. That's my home. She is coming here, trying to come here in order to be herself and live her life and be safe and have some sort of protection. Yet she's thrown into a detention center, treated horribly. She's treated like a prisoner and she, and she's dead within two weeks. Yeah. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see how this is followed up on. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't have a lot of faith. That, I don't either. But that, I, but I just want it to be spoken about. I yeah. want people to be aware of it because, like, this shit happens all the time. These detention centers are inhumane. They torture the people that are in there. It is absolutely disgusting. And the fact that they don't even have the evidence to back up what happened is shady as fuck, and someone needs to be held accountable. Absolutely. It is absolutely ridiculous. The entire institution needs to be held accountable, as well as every single person who was there. Like, I mean... Agreed. It kind of reminds me of, like, when you were in school, and, like, if one person did something shitty, they were like, if you do this thing, then everybody has to run three laps. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, if you guys are going to protect each other and none of you want to talk about like who did what to her then you're then all, all of trouble. you should be punished yeah every single one of you should be punished and these and these detention centers need to be fucking shut down like what the fuck? well i mean i understand why the they exist as far as like we need a transition for people who are seeking asylum but make them fucking humane but that's that's exactly what i'm that, that's exactly what i'm saying is like it makes sense for there to be a place for people to go while they're being processed, right? Like, coming from somewhere else, being processed to go into the United States. But maybe not, like, a cell. But that's exactly what that should be. It should be a processing center while they're being integrated into the United States. It shouldn't be something where we can hold people for indefinite periods of time, which is what we are doing now. We have basically changed the law that says we can hold you for as long as we want. Yeah. Uh, there used to be laws about, you know, getting lawyers and all of these other yeah. things, getting medical attention. We have slowly been stripping those away. Yeah, to the because point where like, these... you can get a lawyer, but it's impossible for you. Like y- Your phone privileges are not there. There are things yeah, that these, y- make it impossible for them to even have access to any of those We've stripped away things. their rights to, to such a degree that, you know, it, it's their prisons. They are prisons. Could yeah. it be like a nice like hotel situation? Still guarded. I mean, like still having people there, but like make it a little cushier. Treat them like know. people. Like yeah. it, honestly, what a putting concept, somebody Keegan. in a dark cell, windowless, cold cell for two weeks. There, there. I would have a mental breakdown. It has been psychologically proven yeah. that isolation rewires your brain. Yeah, and two weeks in isolation, like. Horrifying. Okay. 
Sorry, guys. I'm, like, losing my voice. No, we have a show tonight. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not bad. It doesn't hurt or anything. Okay. It's just, like, I can feel but it. we'll have tea while we talk. I'm going to yes. have tea in one hand and a cocktail in another. Exciting. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, so there is this haunted house in Centerville, Maryland. The look on your face is making me think it's not a very fun haunted house. Um, it's... Okay, I'll just tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, tell so, me. There is, as we know in this country, a massive opioid epidemic crisis. Yes. Right? Um, It's hit my hometown, Springfield, Missouri, pretty hard. Most of the Midwest, a lot of Ohio. um, Like, these regions are being hit very, very hard with this crisis. Yeah. Uh, And we could have an entire episode talking about how this started from the pharmaceutical companies and all of that stuff. uh, How they facilitated this awful, terrible epidemic where many, many, many people are dying. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in Centerville, Centerville, Maryland, they are also experiencing this uh, opioid epidemic. And so someone there in Queens County decided that it would be a good idea to have a haunted house that was basically an opioid house. So, you know how... Like a simulation? Like, kind of. So, you know how in, like, the Bible Belt, they'll have, like, hell houses? Yes. Where they're like, these are all the things that can lead you to hell, and look how scary it is. And they'll have, like, an abortion room. Yeah. And, like, things like that. Um, This is kind of like that. Let me find that. So, it's, like, all the bad things that can happen when you take opioids, basically. Yes. So you will be, like, walking through the house and seeing people, like, overdose. Uh, You will see people go through a frightening arrest. You'll see a court hearing, a jail cell, uh, a wrenching family crisis, a harrowing overdose. So you're going to walk through this house and experience all of these things that you would experience. Like, it's basically like a D.A.R.E. program of, like, don't do drugs or this stuff will happen to you. Fun. And I think they there was even talk about actually getting, like, real prisoners to come, like, real real prisoners from the jail to, like, come so they can simulate what it's like to be thrown in jail, and you'd be there with, like, actual prisoners, which is real fucked up. That's, like, really inhumane. Like, hey, let me, uh... Yeah, let's exploit the prisoners, first yeah. of all, which is fucked up, and then you're going to put people in a cell with prisoners, which is also fucked up, and... This entire thing is just super fucked up to me because what you're doing is you're exploiting a crisis. Like, there is a massive crisis happening right now. And instead of, like, actually educating people on not only what caused this crisis, but how to move forward as a community, you are using it as a ploy for Halloween. And it just feels really, really, like, icky and gross to me. Um so yeah, I heard about that and I was just That's like, we should talk about it because so fucked up. I understand, you know, the person who created it was saying how he had moved away from this area and he moved back whenever he was like in his 40s and wanted to have his family grow up in the same kind of safe environment that he grew up in and he came back and this epidemic had like ravaged the area and right. it was really like upsetting him and so he wants to kind of like share that with everybody. I get, you know, if he had good intentions, I understand of being like this is what happens when you're on drugs, but at the same time it's like it's so insensitive. It's dehumanizing to the people who are suffering. Exactly. Like, the way that we treat addicts is so horrible because, like, we, you're not treating them with any sort of 
dignity and humane respect because it's like there's still people who have gotten themselves into a certain situation and they need love and support and help. Well, and I feel like especially with this particular crisis, I mean, I have seen people be so callous as to say, like, my tax money shouldn't go to Narcan, which is a drug that can, you know, revive somebody who is overdosing uh, and things like that. And I feel like with this particular crisis, there's such a callousness surrounding addicts and they don't understand, people don't understand the way that someone can get addicted to heroin or other opioids. It can happen so easily and has been pushed by the system, by pharmaceutical companies. I mean, just recently, I think it was Pfizer, uh, I think it was Pfizer, who recently got sued and actually is going to be giving money um, because it was proven that they pushed these drugs They lied about how addictive they were, and then they paid to have these drugs pushed on people. So I've seen it firsthand. Like, Anthony had um, dental surgery, Uh and he went and got his prescription, and they gave him an entire thing of Norcos. Like, we still have them. Like, and he doesn't need that. Do you know what I mean? And he didn't even take, he took one, and he's like, it made me feel bad, and so I didn't do it. But. If it if you had chronic pain, if you have a chronic back injury or you have something like that, it is so easy to become addicted to these medications. Yes. They give you so many of them, and then at some point it becomes so expensive that the only way for you to get your pain relief or to get your addiction um met. <laughs> met, yes, you turn to other drugs like heroin because it's actually cheaper. Yeah. So to have this kind of callousness towards an epidemic that these people didn't necessarily choose to no. be a part of. Not every single person who's addicted to heroin went to a party one day and was like, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to shoot up. Yeah. Even if they did. I'm not saying that they they don't deserve the right. same amount of compassion and right. empathy. But that's not even most people. You have to understand the different circumstances surrounding each case. You know what I mean? And each regardless, even if, that wa- even if every single person who's addicted to heroin went in and initially decided... I want to try heroin. That's one decision they made in their life, one time. They didn't decide, I want to be an addict for the rest of their, exactly. I, my life, and I want this to kill me. Yeah. Like, you know, so just have a little fucking compassion. These Jesus are human Christ. beings. Anyway. Anyway, so, did you know that Trump wants to build a wall around Colorado? I do. <laughs> I almost yes. I, I almost put that on my list of stuff to talk about today because... I, I had to. I died. He says, we're building a wall on the border of New Mexico, and we're building a wall in Colorado. He says, we're building a beautiful wall, a big one, that really works. You can't get over or under it. We're not building a wall in Kansas, but they get the benefit of the walls we just mentioned. What? I don't understand. And the governor of Colorado was like, you realize Colorado does not border Mexico. And then someone else drew a line. So, like, Colorado aside, drew, like, in Sharpie... Sharpie gate. Um, Drew a Sharpie where um, if he were to build a wall around New Mexico, he's basically trying to make New Mexico part of Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was hilarious. As somebody who was born in New Mexico, the number of people who think that New Mexico is part of Mexico, uh, it's a lot. A lot of people think that weirdly. But the president of the United States thinking that is Sir, you have been president since 2017, right? January of 2017. You have been president for years now. Yeah. President of the United States, and you don't even know that New Mexico is a state. You've been there. there He's been there for a rally. He went there earlier this year. Yeah. Somebody 
uh, some senator or governor, Camber, I didn't write it down, said, like, they tweeted that maybe we should be giving uh, money instead of giving it to this wall. We should be giving it to, like, children's education. And, like, there was some state where they have, like, now it's, like, free all-day kindergarten or something like that so that the kids can learn more about geography. <laughs> and then, okay. Like, come on. And so even if I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt as far as, like, even if I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt in thinking that New Mexico was part of Mexico, which I don't, as someone who's from right. New Mexico and my family is from New Mexico. Well, that's ridiculous. Like, he's fucking stupid. Yes. Even if I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt for that, Kansas is Col- in the middle of the country. Yeah, and Colorado is above New Mexico. So I'm like, is is he wanting to then clump Colorado in? Because in my mind, it's like he's building a box around Colorado. There's just going to be like a big wall where Colorado and, is going to become I, its own like country. I'm so But confused. why Colorado? And why why was Kansas mentioned? This I is the thing that's the weirdest to me. I don't know. He's like, well, we're not going to build a wall in Kansas, but they will reap the benefits. And I'm How? Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. That That is the weirdest to me. And, you like, know, no one's made any comments about it. Like, no one, like, different news outlets have been like, hey, can you explain this? And, like, nothing. No, because we live in the upside down now. Like, that, <laughs> truly we do. I mean, it is the most insane, bizarre. I watch the news. I see the shit that's coming out. I see what people are saying, um, especially with everything going on with the impeachment inquiry. Yeah. And it is absolutely bananas. I don't understand how we have gotten to this point where either. this is, it's not normal, obviously, because we we read these tweets and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. But it's normal enough to most people that we're just like, yeah, that's our president. What uh, I don't know. What do you want us to do? Like, you know, it's, it's so strange to me that yeah. this is where we're at. I just love that even the seven-year-old that I take care of, I'm like doing research at work yesterday, and I was like, do you want to hear the dumb thing Donald Trump did now? And he goes, you mean everything? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I love you, kid. I love you. <laughs> well, and his his tweets are so unhinged. Speaking of tweets, I was I was reading one the other day where somebody was saying, every time I read the president's tweets, I'm reminded that for most of history, uh, most people thought that women were too emotional to be president. Yeah. And his tweets are so fucking yeah. completely yeah. unhinged uh-huh. that how... Why? <laughs> how? Why? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yes, I did see that, and it did make me laugh as a person who um, is from New Mexico. Yeah. It it also just makes me feel like anybody from New Mexico who still wants to vote for Trump, I'm like, he doesn't even know you're part of the country. Like, why would you vote for him? (laughs) It's insane. So last week on October 18th was the first all-female spacewalk. Which is really, really cool. As somebody who went to space camp whenever I was a kid You're and so was, cute. like, obsessed with this shit. That's so cute. Uh, when I was in space camp, though, that's when I realized I was like, I cannot be an astronaut. Uh, Why? Because I was so overwhelmed. They make you do, like, simulations. Yeah, and you're like, no, no. No, I mean, like, the, the like, walking on the moon, zero yeah. gravity stuff, that stuff was cool. But they right. make you do, like, you have two days where, like, one day you get to be ground control. Uh-huh. And one day you get to be, like, in the spacecraft and you're assigned, like, jobs. Were you, like, claustrophobic? 
claustrophobic? It wasn't that I was claustrophobic. Maybe I just had the wrong job in the shuttle oh. because I was just overwhelmed. Like, I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good at this. I'm very bad at this. But I really enjoyed my job in ground control. So I was like, maybe I'll work in ground control someday. Ground uh, control, the major Keegan. It didn't work. It didn't work out that way. I am uh, not working for NASA, in case you didn't notice. You're not? <laughs> Shocking. It's, it's this is news to me. So last week on October 18th, uh, NASA astronauts Christina Koch and Jessica Muir accomplished the first ever all-female spacewalk. So for nearly eight hours, they worked outside the International Space Station to replace a broken power unit. It was uh, Koch's fourth spacewalk, but Muir's first. So I think that there was... I remember... A couple months ago, this was supposed to happen, and for some reason, it didn't happen, and people were really disappointed. Right. So it's really, really exciting that this has finally happened. happened. There, you know, two women uh, were able to do a spacewalk, which I I think the spacewalk is whenever they are out, essentially, like, kind of floating in space, like, in gravity. Well, they had to fix something. Yeah, they were out there fixing something. So it's um, a historic event. One of them also, I saw a picture on (laughs) Instagram or Twitter where one of them was wearing a uh, Star Trek uniform. Love it. They took a selfie in the space station with a a Star Trek uniform on. I love it. So, I mean, it's just a really big win for women in STEM. Women in STEM don't get enough attention. Yeah. Uh, It's not highlighted enough. And, um... You know, it has been a traditionally male field. Science Very. science fields are typically male-dominated. And uh, I'm just really excited about it. Yeah, so. we're proud of you, girls. Like, that's women. Sorry, not girls. <laughs> that's really amazing. Like, it's good to be recognized that, like, women are fucking smart. Women are able to... And, and they're capable. Like, I feel like anything to do with, like, fixing, building, like, that's all, like, a very masculine... Uh, trait that we think of and having these women do the spacewalk and go out there to fix something that's broken and have that experience I think is going to be really inspiring for young girls like little Keegan who wanted to grow up and work for NASA and be an astronaut. Like, I just think that's really cool to be able to have that example for kids. Yeah, absolutely. And eight hours. Eight hours. Out there for eight hours. Badass bitches <laughs> they amazing. are. That's what they are. <laughs> That's amazing. I wanted to say really quick, we got a a message from a listener who was telling us about Hearts of the People, which is the country's first ever exhibition devoted to the works of Native American women. The Minneapolis Institute of Arts assembled it, and it's currently in Nashville's Frist Art Museum. Um, And that's all I really have on that, but I wanted to mention it. I think it's really cool that it's our first ever exhibition that's devoted specifically to Native American women's art, which I think is so Do you know how long it's running for? Um, they're, they're doing kind of a tour of it. It's going to be in, in places like Washington, D.C., New Mexico. Oh, very cool. Nashville. And it started in, in Minnesota, which is really cool. And they sent it to us because there was ties to New Mexico and to Minnesota. And awesome. they were like, you need to know about this, you guys. Hopefully, if it comes to L.A., we yeah. can go check it out. I thought that was just super cool to have that recognition, you know, where, where both of our hometowns have a lot of Native American population. Yes. So having that be you know i grew up my cabin was northern and there was a lot of native american population up there and i always really really loved um the artwork they would sell to the shops in the area they would like trade Mm -hmm. with certain shops and i love the jewelry so much 
And I'm glad that a lot of what they do is being, like, officially recognized. It's really amazing. Absolutely, especially given that a lot of the artwork in the United States has been inspired by Native American artwork. Yes. uh, That it's really wonderful that these demographics are actually getting the attention for that. Exactly. Exactly. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to another mini episode. If there's anything that you would like us to talk about next week or anything that you want to share with us about this particular episode or just say, hey, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can follow us and direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter at Yanf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. I'm loving that we're starting to have some communication on our Facebook group page. We want more. I will try to, I'm going to try to post something every day, but sometimes it doesn't happen, especially the last few weeks. I've been crazy busy. Um, what else? Oh, you can rate and review us on our Facebook business page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so, so much. And if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's free for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit. That's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.